0: It was kind of like, oh, we can deal with a northern accent, but just not a northern accent on a black woman.
1: From the team behind Stylist, this is Nobody Told Me. Stories of life, love, grief, success and failure, and the lessons learned by the women who survived to tell the tale. I'm your host, Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylist. In today's episode, we're joined by TV presenter AJ Adudu. AJ is one of Britain's most exciting young presenters and personalities, most recently fronting Don't Rock the Boat with Freddie Flintoff, along with hosting Big Brothers, Bit on the Side, and Bake Off, An Extra Slice. Not content with simply fronting the nation's most popular TV shows, she's also a qualified personal trainer and sports nutritionist, and her YouTube exercise tutorials have gained her a huge online following. And if that's not enough, she's an accomplished DJ too. But her route to success has been neither easy nor straightforward. Growing up, she had her sights set on being a TV presenter from an early age. But as a black girl living in Lancashire, she was used to not fitting in, experiencing racism almost daily. But she wasn't prepared for the discrimination to continue as she tried to forge her career. She feels it wasn't simply the colour of her skin, but her strong northern accent and her gender at times that held her back. Undeterred, she refused to change herself and has proven that her talent, passion and enthusiasm for everything she does are more than enough. This is AJ's story in her own words. My name's AJ Dudu and nobody told me
0: that I didn't have to change myself in order to succeed. I remember in college deciding what university to go to and I remember saying I really want to be a TV presenter and the connections advisor just said I don't think that's possible I think you need to get something that's a lot more realistic. Yo, gotcha. Hooray! I've always loved television I remember coming back from school and I'd get changed and go out and play but then as soon as it started to get dark like early afternoon I'd switch on CBBC and watch Blue Peter and Newsround and Neighbours and I don't know I just loved the excitement that came with TV and I'll never forget saying to my mum I'd love to be in the TV I just want to be inside the TV and she actually said oh my gosh you can totally be inside the TV you just have to work really hard at school. And then that was that. I was about seven, eight years old. And I just remember from there being like, well, mum says I can do it. So I can. Growing up in Blackburn, I did always feel different. Right from a young age, I remember being in the supermarket, shopping with my mum. Someone told me to wash my face. And I just didn't understand what they meant. And I remember responding and saying, But I have washed my face, I didn't understand. And then at school as well, like, everyone would always touch my hair and say that my hair felt weird or that it felt rough or it feels like a brillo pad and, yeah, it was just constant. It was either my skin or my hair or the way my mum dressed or food or just absolutely just everything. So I always knew that I sort of stood out. When I was about 16 years old, my big brother, who was at Manchester University at the time, sent me an email and he said, basically, there's this scheme called BBC Blast and you could potentially work at BBC Radio Lancashire. And it's just work experience. You don't get paid. But that might be a good foot in the door in terms of getting into TV. And I remember being so excited. I'll never forget getting the interview and just really in hindsight being completely unprepared. And I guess I was just really enthusiastic. And then I got the internship and I was so excited. I went to Keele University in Stoke-on-Trent. I actually always wanted to go to Newcastle. And last minute, I just decided not to do it because I just thought, oh my gosh, I'll get distracted. I'll party all the time and I'll lose track of what I want to do, which is become a TV presenter. So I'm going to go to Keele University because it's closer to London. I'll be able to do internships there if they pop up. So off I went to study English and politics. So I was building up my CV in London, in Birmingham, because that was an easy train ride from Stoke-on-Trent as well. And whilst I was there, I did get an internship at BBC Switch. That was a really fun way for me to learn the ropes in London. It was brilliant. It was, still to this day, one of the most diverse places I've ever worked. But, you know, it was very male-dominated still. Everyone was Southern. Everyone was, like, from London. And that actually, at the time, didn't stand out to me. I didn't notice the lack of diversity. In fact, I thought it was really, really diverse. (laughs) My early years in TV was all going plain sailing. I even presented a couple of TV shows during university and that was really exciting. And then I remember leaving university and getting a job at BBC Switch, the place that I'd had my internship at during university, after university, as a TV presenter and it was so exciting. I was interviewing bands, I was going to music festivals and everything was brilliant and then when BBC were making their BBC cuts and everyone's jobs were on the line, actually the BBC just decided to close down the entire department. That was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm in London. I've now got like bills to pay and I don't have a job in TV anymore. And that was the first time that, you know, I was getting a bar job. I became a cleaner. I was working in a call centre. Whilst Frantically applying for other jobs and trying to get an agent and meeting people. And the more people you meet, sometimes the more doubt you get and the more insecure you get because they'll say things like, Oh, I was really excited to meet you, but you're different to how I expected. Or, Have you ever thought about changing your accent? And I'd be thinking, Okay. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like what's going on here? I was working in retail and call centers for years. It was like never ending. And each place that I moved to with my mate Emma, I felt like the flats were getting worse and race. You know, we were starting to live with more and more people and the places got more and more mice, colder and colder. I remember one of our landlords just leaving us with no Central heating for like four months and I was like, this is just a piss. I was steaming clothes at the back of this retail shop that I worked in and I got a text message. It was from my agent and she said, call me, I've got some good news. And I remember rushing down and saying to my manager, "I've just got to pop to the loo," and ran into the toilet and called my agent. I was like, "What's going on? I'm at work," and she said, "You've got a new job. Big brother's bit on the side. It's all yours." And I was beside myself. I was like, "Yes! I'm so excited!" I remember going upstairs, just so smug and being like, "I can't wait to like tell my boss that." I'm handing in my notice. And I did hand in my notice and I worked throughout that notice. I worked for three months knowing that I was about to present a huge TV show. It was that show that was the best and worst experience of my life all wrapped into one. It was an accumulation of everything that I'd worked hard for, everything that I'd been trying to pursue. You know, I was with a live studio audience Big, shiny studio, makeup artists, co-presenters, celebrity gossip, autocue, talkback, just everything that I wanted in a TV show. It was brilliant. But with that exposure comes... A lot of pressure and a lot of criticism. I remember people tweeting saying, Oh my gosh, like, who is this black girl with that dodgy accent? Like, why does she sound like that? And that made me feel so insecure because I felt like people were commenting on things that I had no real control over. And then it wasn't helped by someone internally saying, AJ, you know, we think that you should get some help with your accent and, you know, you need to speak clearer and maybe we can soften your accent. All of my insecurities that have been played out publicly, I felt like they were being reinforced by a team that I felt were really meant to be supporting me. And then when my contract didn't get renewed, that was really tough because... You know, TV is one of those industries where you don't really get told why something hasn't worked out. And so you're left guessing, was it my accent? Was it the way that I looked? And it was a real time that I had to go away and rebuild. And I didn't work in TV for like two years after. It was so traumatic. At that time, I remember feeling really doubtful of myself and and questioning, like, is it that big of a deal? Like, do I really need to go down this route of, like, changing my accent? I just don't see it as a problem. Everyone's got an accent. And it particularly felt like the accent wasn't the problem. It was more the accent and my appearance combined. It was kind of like, oh, we can deal with a Northern accent but just not a Northern accent on a black woman. Everything seemed to be going wrong at the time. And I felt like maybe I did need to change in order to succeed. And nobody told me that actually you don't need to change in order to succeed. You are enough just the way you are. Whilst I was full of doubt and full of questioning myself and, you know, what I really needed to do to succeed, I did have a supportive group of friends and family who were just like, that is ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I remember talking to my agent about it and thank God they were really, really supportive and really reinforcing the idea that actually sometimes it takes longer for people who stand out to succeed. But he did reassure me that the longer it takes, sometimes the longer it lasts. He was like, you know, don't worry about it. We'll keep going. We'll do something else. We'll get you back. And I just remember just feeling like that was it. That was my one shot and it's all gone. I'd been forgotten somewhat. And that made me feel even worse. I was like, oh, no, I'm never going to get back there. One of my best mates, Chris, is a graphics designer and he said to me AJ you need to focus on something else that just makes you happy for a little bit because you're losing your mojo and you need to get it back like you're not going to get back into tv if you're feeling sad you just it's like not going to happen like you can't radiate positive energy when you're not feeling positive yourself and I was like but I've got no other focus I don't know what else to do And he said, AJ, you know, you love fitness, like you love exercising. And I then went on to do a personal training course. And then I started documenting what the course was like and what I was learning on YouTube. And Chris set me up a website and he'd do all my graphics and thumbnails for my YouTube channel. And it was just a really good passion project. But that passion project led on to me doing actual fitness campaigns with big brands. It was really good because my confidence was building and it was building in a field that I just didn't realise that it would. I, I, I never thought that I could make money out of a fitness industry, for example. I never thought I saw myself, you know, documenting what I ate or what exercises I did. I was starting to get known as a fitness blogger and I was like, no, 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 I'm a TV presenter. And then I had this whole new complex about my identity. I was like, oh my gosh, people know me as a fitness blogger and I'm not a fitness blogger. I'm a TV presenter. But then meanwhile, I'd not been a TV presenter for like two years. And so from there, it was kind of trying to marry the two I felt very successful within the fitness industry. And then 2020, summer, the most crazy traumatic year for so many obvious reasons, that turned out to be one of my most successful years, I think, because I got my first ever prime time TV show. I got Don't Walk the Bot on ITV. And that for me just felt like, wow, I've really rebuilt. I've really done it. I've really bounced back. Things are starting to look bright. And for the first time, I really enjoyed just taking it all in. I think we always think about the next thing, you know, you're doing one job and it's like, yeah. this is a stepping stone or this might lead to that and i think we're all guilty of not being in the moment as a result because we're always looking to the next project the next best thing and don't rock the ball on itv was the first show ever i think that i've ever done that i've gone don't care what i'm doing after i'm just really enjoying this in the summer when all of the Black Lives protests happened again and I was on my own in isolation and left with my own thoughts I had a real visceral reaction to everything that was going on. I felt triggered in all sorts of ways and I just felt like I was always crying involuntary and different things would set me off I was being bombarded by videos of people obviously dying and suffering a lot of stories of people telling their personal accounts of racism and it left me confronting my own issues that I'd not Dealt with that I thought genuinely that I had. And then everything came back up, and all of these things that I'd obviously not thought about for years were just popping up into my memory in the forefront of my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And that happened, and it was awful when this person said that. And oh my gosh, I didn't react. And I was left feeling angry, even at myself at times, for not standing up for myself more. I ended up, as a result, just putting pen to paper and writing and writing and writing in a way that I found to be very therapeutic to me. I ended up submitting that to Vogue, who published it. I was sort of addressing all corners of society and, in my opinion, progressive ways that we can actually move forward in the wake of everything that was happening at the time. But it also gave me the confidence to speak out about injustices that I'd faced so that hopefully one day other people don't face the same injustices and at the very least know that they're not alone when they do face them. The industry has definitely changed a lot since I've been in it the last 15 years there's certainly no execs telling me to get elocution lessons and cancel my accent. That's definitely been celebrated more. And I am starting to see a little bit more diversity within the workplace. And honestly, long may that continue. There's so much more to be done, but we're moving in the right direction. I do also notice that definitely for women, it's, a tricky industry. I think there is a pressure to be attractive and glamorous and appealing to a wide audience. And there is a comparison. It always seems to be girl versus girl rather than hang about, we could work together. Like the women can work together actually. And I I think, you know, that's really starting to change as well. Also definitely with regards to class, I definitely think there's a class issue in television because a lot of the jobs, the start out jobs are all unpaid or really, really lowly paid. And as a result, if you don't have accommodation close by to where you work it's really hard to get in you know I remember in my early career one of my biggest obstacles wasn't that I was black or female my biggest hurdle was genuinely that I was from Blackburn Lancashire and how on earth do I get to London how do I pay for that train ticket Where do I stay and how do I stay there? Like the obstacle was genuinely geographical. So I definitely think that there needs to be more in order to diversify the media industry to different areas and different places in the UK. I just would love to see the media industry as a whole representing the country that we live in, which is... In essence, very diverse. What I'm really excited about my career is that it's ever-changing. You know, I never thought that I'd be presenting a show where celebrities race the length of great Britain on rowing boats but I've loved that I never thought I'd like jump off a bridge on SAS who Does wins but I loved doing that I never thought that I'd do a whole plethora of like fitness campaigns and beauty campaigns but I've thoroughly enjoyed it so I love and I'm excited about the prospect of an evolving career that encapsulates all of my passions. I'd love to do something regarding interiors, regarding culture. I'd love to travel more. I've got a lot of interests and that's exciting. Looking back, I am so proud that I have managed to come this far by staying true to myself and not changing, you know, keeping my accent, keeping my opinions, keeping my voice, essentially. I I was just lucky to have people around me who reinforce the fact that all of the things that you hate about yourself initially or that people judge will one day be the things that people love about you and it's so interesting now in hindsight that my accent is a talking point, it's what makes me recognisable, it's kind of like, oh yeah we know AJ, we can hear her from a mile away, I've got this distinctive voice now, thank goodness, thank goodness I didn't change it.
1: You're listening to Stylist. Nobody told me. I'm your host, Lisa Smusarski, and you've been listening to the story of TV presenter AJ Adudu. How many of us can say we grew up recognizing ourselves in the pages of our favourite magazines or in the characters we watched on our much-loved TV shows? For so many years, the media and advertising industry showed a tiny fraction of society favouring white, slim, often blonde women as the heroines, models or aspirational figures, meaning that the majority of us never found someone we could relate to or a role model we could aspire to be when we grew up. We know that lack of representation leaves its mark. We know that we cannot be what we cannot see. And yet, despite the UK being one of the most diverse countries in the world, we rarely see that diversity reflected back at us. AJ didn't fit the mould of the successful TV presenters she had seen on screen. She wasn't white and she didn't speak the Queen's English. Of course, none of that should matter, especially considering she's a smart, charismatic and engaging broadcaster who is brilliant at her job. But to some people, it really did. And they asked her to change. I don't know how AJ found the strength to bounce back after receiving such public criticism. She says she struggled with her self-esteem as anyone would, which was followed by a period of introspection. What's so inspiring to me is the way that AJ found the sense of self to stay exactly who she is. And for exactly that reason, she went on to find the success she had always dreamt of. AJ is proof that you do not need to tick a series of boxes to succeed. You don't need to change the shape of who you are to fit the mould. As AJ attests, it has made her journey to success a little slower. But who says there is a timeline to success anyway? We often believe there is a sell-by date on our goals, but when you really hear the stories of your role models, you discover how far from overnight most people's success really is. Black women are still chronically underrepresented in every area of industry and they experience daily discrimination in everything from salary to healthcare. We know this. We also know none of this will change until it's as normal to hear and enjoy a young black northern woman's voice on TV as it is to hear a white middle-aged man's. Today, Little girls across the country will watch AJ on their screens as they sit down to their favourite TV shows or find her smiling back on Instagram or YouTube and they will know that there is no one way to look, no right way to speak, no age barrier to success. They may even see themselves looking back and they will know that they matter and they are seen. AJ's message of staying true to who you are regardless of what's come before or how big your dreams are is a lesson we all need to listen to thanks again to aj for joining us on nobody told me aj has another project up her sleeve and you can follow her journey renovating her new victorian home on her instagram account at home with aj we have a wealth of brilliant women coming your way this series, so please do subscribe to make sure you don't miss presenter Vic Hope on why burnout forced her to find acceptance of being alone and Rachel on how her best friend became her surrogate. We'd also love to hear your comments and suggestions of the stories you'd love to hear, so please leave these in the podcast store or DM us on The Stylist Instagram. You can find even more inspiring stories and life lessons on our website, stylist.co.uk. Thank you for listening to Nobody Told Me.